0: The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. I want to get into the Word. I'm excited for the Word today for a lot of reasons. And I hope that here in just a moment, you can see that there really is a passion about today's message, it's been a big part of my life. God has done some really powerful things in my life, I know He's done things in your life, He's done things on a personal level in each one of us, but there's something specific that has taken place in the past few years, and it it actually uh, came to a, a, a wonderful peak some five years ago, and it has really transformed the way that I see God, the way that I function as a believer, It's had the most profound impact on my life. And I hope that that can translate and carry today as we get into the Word. I want to give you a few things that we're going to look for. Now, I like to do this. If you don't have anything to take notes on, just lean over to that kid next to you and take one of their crowns. do something, you know. But I enjoy note-taking because it lets you revisit things in your own time. We come here and we listen to a message together. But God is always wanting to speak to you personally. He loves you so much. And he shows you wonderful things in the scripture, and his desire is for that scripture to become a reality in your life. So, here's a few things that we're going to look for. If you're taking notes, you can write these down. One, what we should pray. Now, it's kind of a personal opinion, but I hope when we get to that scripture together, you agree with me. Something that we should pray for. What we should pray. Two, we're going to find out how to know that God loves you. I'm going to step over here real quick. How many of you know God loves you? I'm just assuming lots of hands are going up. Yeah, a few hands. You know God loves you. I'm curious to ask this. Now, you don't have to answer out loud, and I sure don't want to put anyone on the spot or embarrass anyone, but how do you know? Well, yeah, that's awesome. I love that. We don't need to answer out loud, but I'm curious if that's a question that we have difficulty answering, we're going to see something. I believe that with all of my heart. How do we know that God loves us? There's something that we'll be able to identify in our life that reveals his love for us. And then a third thing that we're going to find is how to never miss a turn. How to never miss a turn. It was several months back, I was with Isaac Garcia, we were picking up a piece of equipment and all of a sudden my GPS decided to freak out. It was telling us to turn when there was no turn, it gave us directions all over the place. We lost probably an hour driving around. It was late, we were in a place that we weren't familiar with, it was absolutely a mess. And there's something about that that's just goofy and frustrating, but in our life everything we do is a series of turns. Your life is nothing more than a series of choices and decisions that have an effect. We come to a point where we need to make a decision. What we choose is going to have an impact on where we go next, on the way that our life goes, on the results of whatever it is that we're doing. Our choices are nothing more than turns. We're going to find out how to never miss a turn, how to never make a wrong turn, but always get where we're going. So I want to get into the Word this morning. I told you we're going to find out what we should pray. Let's start off there. If you've got your Bibles with you, turn to 3 John chapter 1, verse 2. 3 John. Now, 3 John's way back in the back of the Bible. 3 John is written by the Apostle John. He wrote a number of letters to the church. You always have to remember these letters are written to Christians. And John's writing this letter. He's writing it to me and to you and he begins to reveal what he prays and as he's revealing what he prays i think it's something that we ourselves ought to pursue in our lives as we pray third john chapter 1 verse 2 he opens up by saying beloved beloved can you just say beloved Yeah, that's an important word. Now, he's beginning what he's about to reveal, but we could stop right here. We could spend all of our time on that one word. That word is in there because it's you. He's identifying who it is that he's communicating to. He's writing this letter to the beloved. That is me, that is you. When God puts his spirit in our life, when he sends his son to the cross and he raises him from the grave and we are adopted as his children, we become the beloved. It simply means to be loved. Everything about what God has done in our life is a manifestation of the love that God has for us. And it's our very identity. Beloved, that's me and you. I pray that in all respects, I love that word all. How much is all? It's everything. Yeah. I pray that in all respects, so he's saying in every aspect of your life, in your marriage, Raising your children, in your business, in your faith, in every aspect of your living. I pray that you will prosper, that you'll be healthy, just as your soul prospers. So God's doing great things in our lives. He's saving our souls, and these are wonderful things. But this prayer is that that prosperity touch every aspect of our living. What a wonderful thing to pray. Father, I ask that my marriage prosper just as my soul has prospered in Jesus Christ. Father, I ask that my children prosper just as my soul has prospered in Jesus Christ. Father, I ask that my faith prosper just as my soul has prospered in Jesus Christ. I want every aspect of my living to come into knowing the prosperity that you've made a way for when we blessed the children earlier we talked just for a second about prosperity i love the word of god but it's tough to understand the word of god if we don't understand the words that make up the word of god if you didn't catch that get the cd or download it or whatever we do now we need to know what the words mean so if you go to the dictionary and you look up prosper here's what you're going to find to cause to succeed to cause, to succeed. There's something taking place in my life through Jesus. God is making a way for every aspect of my life to come to know success. He's making a way for my marriage to be successful. He's making a way for my family to be successful. He's making a way for me to be successful as a believer, as a Christian. If I say in ministry... It might make some think, well, it's because you're a pastor. No, it's because I'm a Christian. You've got an awesome ministry. God's called you to do great things. The same calling that's on Jesus Christ is on you. To set free the captives. To tear down the works of the devil. To build up the kingdom of God. And God's making us successful in every aspect of our living. But like most things that God does, there's a process that maybe we feel is, you know, not the most comfortable way to see that come to pass. This prosperity, this success comes through a process. The scripture actually calls it a test. I'm not a big fan of that word and I'll explain that here in a bit. But it requires something to take place. And I want to talk about that this morning because I've heard my share of messages concerning success and prosperity. And it's really easy to start a riot, get people excited about being successful and about having prosperity. And yes, we want that. Who wouldn't want it? What I'm interested in talking about is how do we get it? What is it that we're called to do to step out of poverty into prosperity? And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about every aspect of your life. You'll hear me say marriage a lot because that's where I want it most. You hear me say kids a lot because that's where I want it second. (laughs) I want to prosper. So there's a process that comes with this. If you have your Bibles there, I'd like for you to turn to the book of Exodus, chapter 16. If you don't have your Bibles with you just see if you can share with your neighbor I'm sure they'd be happy to just ask them what would Jesus do (laughs) Exodus chapter 16 I'd like for you to turn there but then very rarely are we going to read exactly what's on there I kind of want to paraphrase a little bit but I'd like for you to turn there just so that you can see where it's at in the scripture you can read it yourself maybe not now maybe later But in Exodus chapter 16, we need to understand something. Something is happening there that happens in each one of our lives. God's moving a group of people. God's moving a group of people out of slavery. Remember, we used to be in slavery to sin but thanks to the work of Jesus Christ, we're being set free from sin and that bondage and that captivity, being moved out of slavery and into prosperity. Into success. Being taken out of forced labor, labor, excuse me, slavery, bondage and being moved into prosperity. Now we're talking about the Israelites here. If you don't know the history or or the actual Bible recording. That's okay. It's a nation. It's a group of people. They were once slaves in Egypt. They were forced to work. And when they were done working, they didn't own what they'd worked for. It belonged to somebody else. And God delivers them from this horrible life of slavery and bondage. And this process of deliverance requires them to leave that place where they were slaves to go to a place where they'll prosper. And God describes this place as an awesome place, a successful place. He says it's a place that flows with milk and honey. These are good things. I went to Israel one time years back and I was with a friend. We were sitting in a restaurant and they served the most amazing like pita bread. It's just the flat bread you can go to the store and get it here and it's good or you can go there and they like make it fresh and it's great. And We're sitting in this restaurant, you know. And I'm realizing I'm just really wanting to eat the bread a lot because it's so good. But, you know, I'm a farm boy at heart. So, you know, you can't just eat bread. You got to put something on it. So I'm asking them, do you have any honey? And the waiter looks at the guy I'm with because he speaks Hebrew. He's like, that means what is this? What is this? What is this? Who is this guy? So he goes off to the back and he tries to find some honey. And the guy that I'm with just says, you're asking these questions. It's kind of rude to ask that. You're you're at a restaurant. I could understand if we were in our home and you asked for that. But at a restaurant? And he said, man, this place is supposed to be flowing with honey. Are you kidding me? This is supposed to be the land that flows with that stuff. It should be everywhere, and they ought to make it so. So they come back, they give me the honey, it's good stuff. Anyway, this land is prosperous. It's meant to be a place that succeeds. By all accounts and descriptions, if you go put a seed in the ground, it grows and produces. And God's taking a people out of bondage, out of slavery, and moving them into this successful place. But it takes time to get there. It takes time to get out of that bondage and into that prosperity. People begin to move. They begin to walk. And they're not walking through a comfortable place. It's a desert. It's dry. And it doesn't take long before they start to get hungry. And they're all wondering, well, what are we going to eat? Some of you are probably wondering, well, what are we going to eat? And they begin to be frustrated and some of them begin to complain and they even say, you know, we were better off when we were slaves. At least we knew that we were going to have dinner. And God says something. He says, watch this. I want to show you something. I'll make it rain bread from heaven. And He tells Moses how it's going to work. He says, listen, every morning there'll be a dew that'll set on the ground. And in this dew, you're going to find manna. You can gather it every single day except for the Sabbath. And it will always be enough for you. If you try to gather up a whole bunch, it'll go bad. But it will always be enough for you. And so Moses goes and he tells the people that are on this journey from slavery to prosperity, says, hey, God's going to do something. Every morning it's going to be there. You go get it, take it home, cook it, make something great with it. But God's going to take care of us. The whole time that we're leaving slavery and moving into prosperity, moving into that place that is successful. Right now we're in this place in the middle. And God's going to take care of us the whole time we're on this journey from slavery to prosperity. And so the people go to bed that night. They wake up the next morning, and sure enough, just like God said, the Bible describes it like a frost on the ground. And they go and they gather it. It says it was like a white flake. And they could take it, and they would measure a certain measure of it, and they would pound it, and they would make a flour out of it, and they would cook cakes with it. That sounds like a good place to stop, don't you think, just for a moment? Because I, I wanted us to have some sort of a, you know, visual aid, little learning tool. And, and I went shopping, and everyone's fresh out of manna. Nobody had any. So I thought, I'm going to go with the next best thing, Right? And if you're asking me what the next best thing is, I think it's apple fritters from A.M. Donuts. It's kind of like the provision of God in my world. So here's what I want to ask. Where is, here ushers. Who do we got? There we go. Rodney and Carrie. Rodney and Carrie. Let's look in these boxes and make sure there's enough in every box because I'd sure hate to have a fist fight in church. And let's just kind of put boxes here on the tables. There were six in that one. So what do we have here? There you go, looks like they're in sixes. That'll work. We got any tables with more than six people? Uh, I don't see one. Okay, let's just put a table on a box, or a box on a table, sorry. <laughs> My day started early this morning. Yeah, look at that. All right, try not to hurt each other. You got some plates and some napkins. Fork for all you fancy people. There you go. Here, I'll get those, Carrie. I don't want you to have to. Oh, my gosh, these are still warm. Do you feel that? That's pretty nice. There you go. Now, do you feel like you could learn something? You have a little learning tool there in front of you. Something like a little visual aid to help out. Take a moment there get settled. Now, this could be the only food that I know that I think biblically you don't have to pray for it because it's already blessed. Yeah, we got a few laughs out of that. There you go. Look at that. All right, so you're settled in. So remember, as people are being set free from captivity and taken into prosperity, God's giving them something every single day. In a place where there's no room to sow and reap, to have wheat, to make bread. They're in a place where God provides them with exactly what they need, but every single day. When they try to gather more, when they try to build up their account, it doesn't work. You can read in the Scripture there what happens. It rots. If you try to keep it overnight, it rots. So what God's doing is He's giving you exactly what you need when you need it. And a group of people live like this for some 40 years until they come to the place where they can eat the fruit of the land. That's how the Bible puts it. Until they come to the place where they can put seed in the ground, grow their own, harvest it, and celebrate the fruits of their labor. I want to tell you about something. A time in my life was a time that I was really super excited Because God was doing great things. How many of you know if you get set free from slavery, that's a good thing? And you ought to be pretty excited about it. Well, I'd stepped into a time in my life that I was really excited about because God was leading me into great things. And as we're on that journey to those great things, I began to become aware of some hardships and some difficulties. Most of them in this example were actually financial, but they're not limited to that. There were lots of hardships with my marriage and family. There were times where I was never at home because I was always doing something else, and it was terrible. So I'm faced with this. I know God's leading me into great things, but it's a really difficult time. It was very hard to enjoy the life that God had called me to, it, it, it seemed very laborious, very hard. but yet somehow we seem to get by. And I remember sitting down with a couple of guys that I'd worked with and we were looking at the scripture together. We'd often do that. and, And when we did, something happened. I have a desk in an office where I would sit. And we were sitting and I began to just minister to them and talk to them about some things I remember what we were talking about specifically but it doesn't have anything to do with the message here and as we were sitting there just something began to happen and i don't want to convince you that it happened i just want to tell you that it happened you don't have to believe it you don't you might think i'm totally nuts and i'm okay with that you wouldn't be the first but something happened as i was sitting there going through this hard time, knowing that God was leading me to where I'm supposed to be. As I was sitting there talking with these guys, I kept noticing something on my desk. So i brush it off, and we kept talking, and show back up, brush it off, and show back up. Now, you don't have to be in agreement with me. You could say it's something. You could say it's anything. It doesn't matter to me. And if I find out one day in a conversation with Jesus that I'm wrong about this, I'll be the first to say, well, man, I sure missed that one. But I sat there, and as we minister, you go ahead and show the picture. That was just showing up on my desk, this flat white flake that fits the description like frost would appear. And so I looked at those guys, and I said, are y'all seeing this, or am I crazy? And they said, no, we see it. I said, what do you think it is? He said, we don't know. you want to know how biblical that is? When you're reading Exodus 16 later, you'll see that the people of God, when they went out, after Moses told them, I mean, all this stuff, they know it's coming. They go out and they find manna, and they say, what is this? Ma, what is this? Because it's just foreign. They don't know what it is. And I asked the guys, what do you think that is? I don't know. So being a man, I decided I'm going to eat that. (laughs) So actually, I brushed it into my hand, ate it. And I remember being a little bit disappointed because when you read in Exodus 16 there, it's kind of the reason for the apple fritters. It says the manna, when it was eaten, it tasted like wafers made with honey. I've never had wafers made with honey, but if you're like me, you know that's honeycomb cereal, right? That's all that is, so... I was expecting, like, let's have a bowl of honeycomb and hallelujah. And I, I ate it, and they were, the guys were just sitting there looking at me and saying, what, what's it like? What is it? Mase. <laughs> said, it tastes just like olive oil. And so, you know, we went about the day. It's not a day like every other day, obviously, but, you know, business goes on. you got to do stuff, so... We went about the day, and I just remember thinking, "What was that? What was that?" And I had an impression in my spirit to go to a passage of scripture in Numbers chapter eleven, be verses seven through nine. It talks about manna, talks about how it would form, talks about its color, all of that stuff. And then it says what they would do with it. They would gather it and they would make it into cakes just like that fritter you're eating. That looks really good, by the way. Uh, I hope someone's saving me one. I'm okay. I can't eat and preach at the same time. I don't think. Should we try? <laughs> so it describes it, you know, and then it describes what people would do. they gather it and they would make cakes out of it. And then it says this. And it says, and the cakes had the taste of fresh oil. And I just remember thinking, thank you, thank you for that. Thank you for showing me that. And I'm familiar with what olive oil tastes like. I mean, my wife cooks with it and we've used it medicinally. I was a little shocked when I put that in my mouth and it, just, it felt like I'd put a big spoonful of oil in my mouth. And the cakes tasted like fresh oil. I began to just study the passages there because I knew, you know, that's pretty unusual. And I love when God does cool stuff. He loves to do cool things. I mean, He really does. He loves to do the most amazing things in our lives. But I knew there was a purpose behind this. I mean, you have to just stop and ask yourself, why, why, why? I mean, first of all, thank you. That's really awesome. But what am I supposed to get from that? and began to show me what was going on here during this process. Remember, leaving slavery and captivity and moving into prosperity. I've grown up in churches that would preach about prosperity, how God wants us to prosper, God wants us to to do well, God wants us to succeed, and God wants us to even be rich. It's the blessing of the Lord that makes rich and He adds no sorrow to it. That's the word, that's not my word, that's His word. And I'm glad God makes us successful. You can define rich a lot of different ways. I've known people with lots of money and they're depressed. But I heard all kinds of messages on prosperity and prospering. But then God showed me this. And I thought, wow, that makes perfect sense. And the good news is it actually activated a lot of the messages that I'd heard before. I want to say that again because I want to explain what that means. It activated a lot of the messages I'd heard before. What that means is, until I caught this, until I saw this, none of those other things were going to work. Even though they were factually true, or you could read the scripture, memorize it, make a bumper sticker, stick it on your refrigerator, you could do whatever with it. But I saw something here and I realized that's on purpose. It's not an accident. But that's something God... Not only did, but is doing in every single one of us. God's taking us out of captivity, moving us into prosperity. And during that journey, there is a process. Sometimes it doesn't take long at all. Sometimes it takes 40 years. It took them 40 years. But we all go through the same process and it has the same point. Manna is referred to by God as a test. Now, I don't really like that word because I don't like tests. You know? You remember those tests you take in school? You take your pencil and use the eraser side and you tear the little thing open and you go and mark it all. I hated those things. And then there's this. Like, do you mind if I just confess to you? I feel like I need to confess some sin here. Did you ever have one of those tests where if you didn't get done, you were supposed to just leave it Don't go back. Did you ever have one of those or was it just me? I went back. So now I feel better. I would go back and finish it. You're not supposed to. Broke the rules. My fault. But I don't like tests. I don't like being measured by something that's multiple choice. I think there's so much more to me than that. I don't like someone else picking the questions to decide whether or not I'm intelligent. I just don't like tests. So when I read that, I think, you know, that doesn't really sound like God. I don't think God is interested in, you know, putting us in positions of being humiliated. Wrong! So test must mean something. You know, we use that word test for other things. Some of your Bibles may say prove or proof. What God's doing is He's changing us. Throughout this process of being set free from slavery and taken into prosperity, He's changing us. He's proofing us. He's taking things that are a hindrance out and putting things in that help. That's what that really means. He's testing us. He's refining us. If that's not a word you're familiar with, look it up. It's even in the scripture, refining. It's how metal's purified. It's heated. And all of the things that are unclean and unproductive are able to be moved away from it and you're left with something pure that has worth and during this process being set free from slavery stepping into prosperity we're going through this process where we're being purified and that purification happens a whole lot up here in how we see things when you look at the history You see a group of people that God miraculously sets free from slavery and then the moment they face a trial or a problem they say, oh, that God would have just killed us back there. Forget about how awesome he was just yesterday because all we tend to see is today. And it's easy to poke fun at that but the truth is that describes me. I've done that exact same thing. But God has done things in my mind and in my heart that help me to recall how amazing He is. And it affects how I deal with the things that I deal with. Now this test has a purpose. I think it's really good for us to understand why God does the things that He does. So that we can know what He's doing in our life. For some of us, this will explain a lot of our past. For others, it will explain some of our present. And then there are some in this room that it will explain things yet to come but I want to read to you a couple of passages out of Deuteronomy Deuteronomy chapter 8 Deuteronomy chapter 8 refers to a lot of this process this being set free from slavery moved into prosperity and the test that comes during that entire process I want to read verses 3 and 5 Deuteronomy chapter 8 Verse 3 reads like this, God humbled you and let you become hungry. Isn't that amazing? Just think about that. There was a time where I remember looking for change to go buy milk for my young kids. Because I didn't have any money. Going through the, you know, ashtray of the car, going between the seats looking for... And I I look back at that and I realize God was letting me go hungry. There was a purpose behind it. He let this whole group of people that he just set free from slavery, he led them out into the middle of nowhere and he let their bellies remind them that without support they'll perish. He humbled them and he let them be hungry. And then he fed them with manna that they didn't know. Their fathers didn't know it. So that he might make them understand that man doesn't live by bread alone, but out of every word that comes out of the mouth of God. You hear Jesus say that. He actually says it to Satan himself later on in the New Testament. So here's something that's going on here. This whole process is on purpose. And God leads us through a process where we have needs. He meets those needs to show us that the things of this world aren't what we need. Rather, it's him. We need a heavenly Father who loves us without any condition. Who will make provision for us no matter what the need. It goes on to say this in verse 5. Thus you know in your heart that the Lord God was disciplining you just as a father disciplines His Son. That's kind of a weird thing to throw in there, but I want to stop there for a second. You know, I asked earlier... If God loves you, you know, and yes, God loves me. How do you know that? I want to give you a passage of scripture. If you're taking notes, write this one down for your notes. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6. You can also write this down. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 12. Hebrews is just quoting Proverbs, by the way. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 12 reads like this The one that God loves. He disciplines, just like a father corrects the son in whom he delights. You know, a lot of times you'll hear about the love of God and it comes with the warm and fuzzies. It comes with the celebration of obtaining material things. Well, God sure blessed me with that. But I know God loves me because He's not letting me stay the same. He disciplines me. He corrects me. And I think it's important for us to understand the difference between discipline and punishment. He doesn't get mad at me and take vengeance. I'm going to get you, boy. What he does is he directs me. Son, that's the wrong way. And if you go that way, it's not going to end well. That's how he shows us his love. By bringing discipline and direction into our lives. I want to read again from Deuteronomy chapter 8. And I'd like everyone, if you can, if you're like me, you only have a small window after you eat one of those apple fritters before you need a nap. So I want to catch you before that window closes. So please pay attention to this because this is the point. That whole test, leaving slavery, moving into prosperity, and that process of God meeting your need in between, where if you gather more, it'll disappear. He'll always make provision, but it's every day, every day, every day, every day. That process has a point. And here's the point. Deuteronomy chapter 8, I want to read verses 16 through 18. In the wilderness, that's that place between slavery and prosperity. In the wilderness, God fed you manna and your fathers didn't know it, so that He might humble you so that He might refine you, so that He could do something good for you in the end. Now verse 17, otherwise, otherwise you would say in your heart, my power and my strength has made me prosperous. But we should remember God because it's Him that gives us power to prosper. And it's Him that will confirm His covenant with us that He made with our fathers before. This whole process is about who gets the worship. This whole process is about who gets the glory. And I look back on those days, you know, when that happened on my desk, and I realized something. Had things been bumping, had things been going, had there been no hardship, I would have been really excited to tell people, look what I've done. I've taken this place and turned it around. I stepped in here, and all it needed was a little leadership, In fact, some of you may laugh about this, but it's actually pretty sad. That was in Oklahoma, and I remember driving one day, and I said, well, I guess it just takes a Texan. Isn't that terrible? That pride and that arrogance was going to be all too willing to take the credit, to take the glory. And God knows what we need to get that out of our life. Before I could ever touch prosperity, He had to teach me provision. I'm going to say that again because I want us to catch that. Before I could ever touch prosperity, I first had to learn provision. And though prosperity was attractive, I had to walk through provision to see God daily meet my need, to see Him overcome all odds, to know that there's no way I could have done these things but it's just by his faithfulness, his goodness, his unending love for me. And when you come through that, when you walk through that test, that proving time, that refining time, you come into a realization that it's not your strength. It's not your wisdom. It's not your ability to bring success or prosperity. But rather it's God's who's doing great things in our lives. And when we come through that test, we understand his provision and we walk through the door to experience prosperity. I want to give you three keys to prosper and we're going to wind down with these. We'll move quickly through them. The first one, Proverbs eleven twenty five. 25. A generous man will be prosperous. He who waters himself will be watered. I want to explain what that means. It doesn't mean he waters himself. It means he goes out and waters. I learned something during that time. I remember it was an obstacle. It was a wrestling match on occasion because it was a season where things were very hard for me. But I did my best to make sure that things weren't hard for the people around me. And I think that you can come to a place where you understand that generosity leads to prosperity when you come to a place where you realize generosity isn't subject to having something to give. Where you come to the place where you understand that it's a mindset and a lifestyle that I'm never going to stop helping people. Because the moment I start, stop helping people, I become the victim. I become the one that is in such desperate need for help that I can't help those around me. But there's something that God has put inside of each one of us that courage to overcome adversity and to always serve those around us. It's not measured in dollars and cents. It's an issue of the heart, care, and compassion to be willing to put other people first. Here's another key to prosper. Proverbs 13:21. Adversity pursues the wicked, but the righteous will be rewarded with prosperity. Righteousness is a key to prosperity righteousness simply meaning doing things God's way we talked a little bit last week about the difference between blessing and curse blessing meant doing it the way God says to do it curse meant doing it any other way if you want to find that in the scripture you can listen to last week's message or you can look up Deuteronomy chapter 11 verses 26 through 28 we need to be generous to know prosperity we need to walk in righteousness it just means doing it God's way to no prosperity. And then this final one i would mentioned before, we're going to find how to never miss a turn. We're going to close with this one. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It says to trust in God with all of your heart, to never lean on your own understanding, but to always acknowledge Him and He'll make your path straight. You know what's cool about having a straight path? You never miss a turn. I want to close with this passage out of Proverbs. Chapter 28, verse 25. The one that trusts God will prosper. What a great verse to close with. You realize the power of the word will in that short little passage. Not might, not could, but will. When we trust in God, we succeed. And if it were any other way, then God wouldn't be who he is. Because the scripture promises us that there's no failure in God. And as he's leading us, and as he's guiding us, and as he's directing us with all of his faithfulness, he's leading us into success. And as we move into success, it's vital that we understand that all of the success that we come to know, all of the cause to celebrate, isn't meant to bring us glory but it's meant to bring him glory. I want to ask you to stand with me, if you would. Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at championschurch.com.